Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. In light of so many allegations of voter fraud taking place in the United States, Kian Bexty recently visited the Dominion Voting Company based in downtown Toronto, and he discovered many unsettling things. Just will you hear what Kian has to say? Well, the WE charity, you know, that scandal-plagued entity so many politicians would like you to forget about. Well, WE is back in the news. We know liberals love the WE gravy train, but why were the Doug Ford progressive conservatives funding this abomination as well? Sheila Gunn-Reed will weigh in on this doozy. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day, and you had plenty to say about my video regarding what had to be the saddest Remembrance Day ever. Why? Well, as my visit to downtown Toronto re- revealed, easily more than 95% of passers-by were not wearing poppies on November 11th, all of which proves two things. Too many people simply don't give a damn, and yeah, Don Cherry was right. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. For Rebel News, standing in Toronto outside of the headquarters of a business you've probably heard of, Dominion Voting Systems. Donald Trump has been tweeting about this company pretty much non-stop over the past few days after allegations of voter fraud arose, specifically coming out of Michigan. About 3,000 ballots were switched from Donald Trump to Joe Biden, leading to a 6,000 vote swing in one Michigan county. Now, Dominion Voting Systems has uh, their hands over elections in tons of counties in the United States. They manage the elections in all of Georgia's 140-something counties, and they run elections also in Canada with the Conservative Party of Canada and also in New Brunswick. And it seems like, it's hard to keep track of actually, how many times allegations of voter fraud follow whenever they get involved in an election. It's a huge problem, but today we're here for a different reason. We've learned that they share not just an office building, but they share an office floor 
with Tides Canada. Now, Tides Canada is interested in meddling in politics within Canada and the United States. They will do whatever they can to stop any sort of resource development, even if it means getting involved in politics. It's a huge problem here in Canada and clearly in the United States. We're really interested to know why they just happen to have very expensive office space here in Chinatown in Toronto, shared with Dominion Voting Systems, the company that just happens to have an ungodly amount of control over the American presidential elections. We're gonna go in there and ask a few questions and see why they're trying to hide the fact that they actually share an office floor because we've poked our head in and we've seen that they've actually removed the placards that show exactly where their office is headquartered. Remove at the request of the tenants. So that was removed at the request of the tenants. Now, I wonder why they would do that. It seems almost like an admission that something mm, a little bit distasteful is going on, but we don't know. We're gonna go ask. We're gonna see if we can get an interview and speak with folks uh, at Dominion Voting as they go into work this morning. Let's see what we can find. Hi there, would you be able to tell us why Dominion Voting gave so much money to Hillary Clinton? Would you be able to explain that to me? She did have a Dominion Voting tag there. Very luckily, we were invited in by a friendly individual who works in this building, not for Tides and not for Dominion Voting, but he wanted us to be in where it's warm while we asked folks coming into work on this early Toronto morning what Dominion Voting was doing when they donated almost $50,000 to Hillary Clinton. Now, I didn't make that up, the document is right here. It's almost too crazy to believe that an organization that we trust to be impartial, that controls the integrity of the ballots in dozens of jurisdictions, from New Brunswick to New York, Dominion Voting has their hands on ballots across the world. And we are supposed to trust them that they're handling those with integrity. Why did they decide that Hillary Clinton was deserving of so much cash? Ah, the plot thickens and sickens. One thing is for sure, when it comes to Dominion voting, the optics stink worse than a polecat trapped in an abandoned outhouse. The fact that this company not only shares office space in Toronto with the odious Tides Foundation, but is also on record as donating money to the Clinton Foundation? I mean, really? How fishy, how unethical is that? And joining me now regarding this fascinating story is Kian Bexty. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hi, David. Hey, Kian, I have to tell you, that was an absolutely great report, but I find it absolutely fascinating that there isn't a flotilla of media, media vehicles parked outside Dominion headquarters. And I'm not talking Canadian media outlets. I mean U.S. networks like CNN and ABC and CBS and so on. And yet it's pretty much radio silence, isn't it? So why is it, given that the allegations of voter fraud are so serious, this is something I think, Ian, that makes Watergate look like a little white lie if proven. Yeah, no, uh, this this whole story has been left to independent media to cover, uh, which is very strange. Um, I, maybe I should get used to it at this point, but it's clear that large media organizations have a vested interest in there being absolutely no question about the credibility of Joe Biden's recent supposed wins. Um, so the, un unlike when, when Donald Trump won, uh, every media outlet criticized 
him and his path to victory. They said, oh, Russia was involved, blah, 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 yada, yada. But when it's Joe Biden, no, any sort of doubt can't be accepted. And that's what's happening here. What we're doing effectively is casting doubt on that election because, uh, but for good reason, right? Like this Dominion Voting Company, this company that we trust to be, uh, to have integrity and to handle ballots fairly. And when a ballot goes into one of their boxes, the right code, digital code comes out and goes to the right servers and, and counts things correctly. That's what we're trusting. But for some reason, they've decided to set up shop in a hive, a commune of leftist, in some cases, radical extreme leftists like George Soros. They've set up shop with them. They've gotten to bed with them. And that reflects on them and how how well we can trust them to act impartially. And the answer is we can't trust them at all. And the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it, obviously. Yeah, and surely those other tenants of that uh, building that you visited, Kian, that, that must be some kind of cosmic coincidence, I suppose. But I think you nailed it. The, it, the word is trust, and certainly uh, President Trump has brought this up. And I think it's a valid question. Why is Dominion Voting, it's a Toronto-based company here in Canada, why is their technology uh, not deemed good enough or, or reliable enough for the Canadian federal election, yet 30 states in the USA have, have adopted this. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me, Kian. It doesn't make sense, and we do have more coming out on this story because it gets even worse uh, than what you've described. The leadership of this company are in bed with um, the worst kind of people. Uh, they're, they're in bed very... very uh, um, Maybe I shouldn't spoil the scoop that we have published uh, coming out here on Monday, but um, you know the the it, it goes right to the top of Dominion voting, uh, and I encourage everyone to stay tuned on this story because it's going to get worse. Ken, where are the Dominion head honchos? It's like a game of Where's Waldo. It seems like they've disappeared off the face of the planet. That's exactly what we've been wondering ourselves. Um, but we're, we're, we're on a beat, uh, I think, that might expose one of them for doing something that someone in his position really shouldn't be doing. So, um, you know, they, they've run and hid. They don't want to answer any questions, whether it's from me, whether it's from Donald Trump's campaign, from Sidney Powell, from Rudy Giuliani. Uh, they don't want to answer any questions. And I can understand why. They probably just made a killing during this election. The voting machines was hundreds, thousands of their machines were used throughout the United States. Uh, so they're just raking in the dough and they don't want uh, to stoke the, they don't want to risk uh, any future contracts by admitting that they really lack the integrity that they were selling themselves with. You know, and, and there are many questions to ask, uh, as you pointed out in your report, Kian, this idea that they gave a donation, I think it was up to $50,000 to the Clinton Foundation. Ken, if I was running a company that was responsible for the voting of citizens in an election, I think it's safe to say there would be an ironclad policy that you cannot make any political donations, you can't support any campaigns, you can't support any candidates. We have to be seen as pure as the driven snow. We, we, we can't be seen, seen to have any kind of bias. And yet here's a potential $50,000 donation to the Clintons. That stinks, Ken. 
Well, think about it this way, David. Uh, why would they have that policy? Why would anyone uh, working with government have that policy? And the answer would be so that they can get more contracts because, well, depending on who's in charge, they don't want to ruffle any feathers. Maybe the next day, red team's going to be in charge. Maybe the next day, the blue team's going to be in charge. So just stay out of it all. That would be the reasonable expectation. But for some reason, they made the call that even donating to Hillary Clinton, the the figurehead of the Democrat Party, really, like she, when you think about the people in charge, you think Hillary Clinton. Um, they thought that that was okay, which means they made a judgment call that that w the people in charge, uh, of course, it wasn't Donald Trump saying, yeah, let's use Dominion voting machines, but the people in the deep state who said, yeah, this is how we're going to run this election, uh, these are the risks that we're going to accept. They did that. They certainly vetted Dominion voting. I'm sure they're certainly aware that they donated to Hillary Clinton. I'm sure they're probably even aware that they're very close to George Soros. But they still made the call, those in the deep state making those calls on which election, on, on which vote tabulation machines to use during the election. They still thought that that was acceptable, which makes me question the integrity not just of the election, but the integrity of the U.S. government. And, not, well, not, and not just the U.S. government, but the state governments that uh, that are actually in charge of their elections. And, and Kian, like I said, if these allegations are true, this is the story of our young century thus far, that this uh, company flipped a U.S. presidential election. And again, you know, it, it, these are allegations that do have to be uh, proven in a court of law. And I know that the clock is ticking, but I, I really resent the mainstream media narrative here that this is... Uh, just people strolling down Conspiracy Boulevard, that there's no there there. We have in the U.S. dozens and dozens of people that have come forward under penalty of perjury talking about the shenanigans that they eyewitnessed going back to November the 3rd election night. This has to be investigated, but it, it's, it's like the media is part of this Dominion voting cover-up itself. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the, the media is, is a, and it's never been proven better than it has now. I mean, lots of people kind of thought that this was the case, but it's clear now. It's absolutely clear that the media doesn't just act as a spokes group for the D Democratic Party. They have positioned, put themselves in a position where they think it is their divine right to crown the president, just like, uh, you know, just like God will crown the queen um they are saying that they have the right to crown the president of the united states and that is a massive problem because if that's the case uh we don't really live in a democracy well the at least americans don't i i think maybe a similar argument can be made for canada but at least in the united states if it is the media that is determining who is and who is not a legitimate president as they did over the last four years they said donald trump is illegitimate yeah. And now they're saying that Joe Biden is legitimate when there's more questions about the legitimacy of Joe Biden's presidency than there ever was, than there ever was about Donald Trump. There's more evidence that Toronto hacked the 2020 election than Moscow ever having hacked the 2016 election. And that's oh, a fact. You, you are so, so right. I mean, you know, Kian, where is Woodward and Bernstein when you need them? They're not digging up scoops anymore. They're actually uh, crafting uh, public relations policy for the Democratic Party. What a sad, sad state of affairs. Well, you know what, Kian, it, it's an evolving story. Uh, it's a fascinating story. I just hope there's enough time 
uh, for the spotlight to be shed on the people behind Dominion Voting. They have a lot to answer for. But that was a fantastic story, and uh, thank you again for making time to uh, talk about it with me today, Ken. Thanks, David. And, and we do have a little bit of time because if the Republicans take the House in 2020, as I think they will, impeachment is always on the table. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, let's see if they have it in them to do that. So, um, but uh, uh, time will tell. Kian, thank you so much again and uh, have a great weekend, my friend. You too, David. And that was Kian Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. We've already covered the amount of taxpayer cash the province of Alberta, my province, dumped into we in recent years. It was three quarters of a million bucks, by the way, although none of that, thankfully, was on Conservative Premier Jason Kenney's watch. The province of Ontario, for years, has dumped fat stacks of cash on we and Trudeau's friends, the Kielberger brothers. The prior Liberal provincial government of Ontario funneled money to we in the millions of dollars. And don't think that progressive conservative Premier Doug Ford is any better than the Liberals before him. He also gave we over a quarter million bucks in 2019-2020 alone. How do I know all this? Well, Rebel News has exclusive access to information documents from Ontario's Education Ministry that detail the enormous grants from Ontario taxpayers to Justin Trudeau's mom and brother's contract employers over at WE. Let's take a look at these contracts and grants, shall we? The first contract awarded under the Kathleen Wynne Liberals for WE Day in Toronto in 2014 shows that Ontario taxpayers gave WE $650,000, including paying them $200,000 to deepen their relationships with school boards, another $170,000 to integrate the audience into WE Day, and then $110,000 to communicate with schools, whatever that means. Ontario taxpayers also gave the Kielbergers $60,000 for their rent and utilities. It's here on page 19 of these 2014-2015 documents. Now, I thought their rent was a, quote, charitable donation to their parents. Look at this. As a donation to the charity, Me to We pays the Kielberger parents $97,200 in rent a year, which covers just the mortgage, interest, and property tax. So why are they billing the Ontario government for rent for buildings that the Kielbergers or one of their enterprises owns or rented from their parents? That seems fishy, doesn't it? 2015-2016, Ontario paid we $650,000 again, including to expand their network to schools that weren't already involved with WE. 2016-2017, the Ontario taxpayers again forked over another $650,000, this time to help recruit more teachers to be part of the WE cult. 2017-2018, we see another grant of $650,000 including money to target more schools and educators. 2017-2018, still on the same year, friends, it's another $1.5 million to we, which would be just before the 2018 federal election. That's convenient. And then 2019-2020, so the Doug Ford years, $250,000 to we, including paying we $10,000 to give 40 motivational speeches in schools. 
Wow, that is one heck of a business model the Kielberger brothers have going, don't you think? And I think we now know why this scheme is called we. After all, it is we the people, as in taxpayers, who are funding this abomination. And joining me now with more on a scandal that so many politicians want you to forget about is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. Sheila, for starters, I get that the likes of Justin Trudeau and ex-Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne were so gung-ho in funding the WE cult, but Premier Doug Ford, I mean, his late great brother Rob was all about derailing the gravy train. Why would Premier Ford allow this liberal-friendly gravy train to be further fueled via taxpayer dollars? Why does Premier Ford do many of the things he does <laughs> these days? Um, he's certainly not governing the way he campaigned. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one thing for successive liberal governments to be handing out money to um, what I call the Kielberger Institute for Future Liberal Voters millions upon millions of dollars but then for it to continue under Doug Ford I'm it's atrocious and luckily here in Alberta Premier Kenny did not give we a dime that I can see at least through the education ministry but prior to him for at least five years um you know it was Notley and then the PCs before Notley, they were giving money to we also. And I wonder how much of this remains across the country. Like even, you know, it, and it's a question that probably it will only be me asking, filing access to information requests into the education ministries of governments that are claiming to be conservative on most issues, the Sask party in Saskatchewan and the PC party in Manitoba. Um, it we remain to find out exactly how much money they've given the friends of Justin Trudeau to turn our children, hundreds of thousands of Canadian children, into future liberal voters. You know, Sheila, you raise a good point here. Are we ever going to find out the depths of this scandal? I, I mean, this was really why Justin Trudeau prorogued Parliament. I mean, what we have, what we know about the WE charity, I think, is so scandalous that it makes you wonder what what do you think it is that they're hiding and covering up? Well, I mean, I. There's just so much, and I kind of glossed over it in my video because there is just so much. We know that the Kielbergers had a rental agreement with their parents. It was a charitable donation. Um, and yet, we find out that the Ontario government was also reimbursing the Kielbergers for rent on buildings that their parents quite likely owned or you know that were part of the we Kielberger real estate empire because that's really what this thing is it wasn't actually uh, a charity i mean they held events that raised money but this was uh, a a brainwashing program for canadian kids that helped the Kielbergers amass a multi-million dollar toronto real estate empire that you paid a visit to 
Oh, and I remember that well, uh, Sheila, in addition to that Taj Mahal headquarters uh, that they have at Queen and Parliament Street, which is in the tens of millions of dollars, uh, we did outline, we, we actually just walked along Queen, and I think it might have been Berkeley Street, down Berkeley, and you could see they were buying up a whole bunch of properties for what I think was ultimately a teardown. Most of them weren't even rented out, even though it's on prime yeah. real estate. And so I think the end goal there was indeed to put up some big uh, condo uh, tower or office tower uh, development. But you know, Sheila, I have to say, uh, the uh, do you think the media is kind of losing interest in chasing down what's really behind the Wee scandal? Just yesterday, I'm driving in to Rebel headquarters. I'm listening to the CFRB roundtable, and this issue came up. And the panel of trained SEALs were all talking about what a shame this is to have happened. I took down some notes that we improve the lives of so many children in the developing nations. Um, we, uh, you know, have uh, empowered school children in Canada. And then the Kilber Kilberger brothers, you know, they're, they're great people. It is such a shame that they are now the victims of cancel culture. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, Sheila. What is your reaction to that? It's like the left wants to use the same words that we do, like cancel culture, but they don't actually know what those words really mean. <laughs> There's like a, a language deficit that we have def different definitions for the same words. Yeah, the Kielbergers sure are the victims here. They get uh, a program crafted by their very powerful friend, Justin Trudeau. They stand to earn, I think it was somewhere near $40 million to administer a nearly $1 billion student bailout program. The whole thing is created just for them. And then when it blows up in their face and when people say, hey, 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 this is sole sourced garbage and there is another way to have done this, they're the victims. This is outrageous. Um, and, you know, going back to your point about um, will we ever know the depth of all of this? I'm not so sure. Uh, and I'll tell you why, because these documents are being found and then destroyed. And that's one of the reasons why we're hitting everybody that we possibly can in government with access to information requests to get our hands on these documents. We know that Speaker Spotlight, just the you know talent agency that employed Justin Trudeau when he was an MP, they destroyed their documents relating to his contracts and fees. Luckily, we actually have some copies of some of those. Um, we might be the, or at least one of the only places in the country that still has those original documents uh, because they've just disappeared. And that's why the work that we do in access to information is so important because these documents do get destroyed. They get memory hold all the time. I mean, when I'm filing access to information requests into two different agencies, and I know that the agencies are talking to each other on an email chain, I can get a stack of emails from, let's say, IRCC, so the uh, immigration, and I can file the same uh, access to information with the CBSA, and I, I can see in the email thread that they're talking to each other, but sometimes in some instances, 
they've pulled emails out of the middle and I can see it in real time. And I think a lot of that is probably happening with we too. And that's why I'm racing to get these documents from school boards and education ministries all across the country. And, and Sheila, for that particular reason, you are a national treasure, the way you <sighs> go through these freedom of information requests. Uh, I think my eyes would glaze over uh, to the point where I'd go into a coma going through all those reams and reams of documents. But one last thing, the other thing I want to address, too, is almost this little narrative that, oh, with the WE charity gone in Canada, um, it, it's almost as though they're spinning it that uh, we can't, how do we give money to these uh, developing nations, to these, uh, uh, to these children abroad that are in unfortunate circumstances? And I'm thinking, give me a break. There, there are hundreds of charities out there, Sheila. And I would say this, too, so you don't fall into funding something like a WE, when I think a big litmus test of a charity is find out how much of the money is going towards administration costs. Sometimes it's like 10 cents of every dollar, but other times it's more than 80 cents of a dollar. And because yeah. I'm just throwing it out there because if you do want to help people uh, or countries in need, do your due diligence, folks, so you don't further fuel uh, another we that might be out there. What are your thoughts, Sheila? Why are we pretending like Justin Trudeau's friends are the only people doing good work in the developing world? <laughs> That's what I don't understand. These guys are not the only people in the world. I've got firsthand experience with the good work that the Nazarene Fund is doing to help children in need. Children returning to the Nineveh plain, but not just uh, those kids in northern Iraq. They're working in Lebanon and, and uh, Syria and other places where to help Christian children. There's Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse shoebox program. Operation Christmas Child, it's in 160 countries where they school children prepare little toiletries, um, school supplies, little tiny gifts, and they send them to children abroad. That's a great charity, and kids can do it, and they can do it as a, a, as a Christmas project. The problem with that one um, is that you'll find liberal school boards don't like to participate in it because it's a Christian charity and they like to do secular things. Well, I'm yeah. sorry, but Christian charities happen to be the ones with the least amount of overhead because people are called by their faith to volunteer to do these things. There's SOS Christians. There's a ton of charities out there. You just have to look and they are not affiliated with Justin Trudeau and they aren't helping Justin Trudeau's friends amass a real estate fortune in downtown Toronto. Indeed, they're not. And how shameful is that, uh, Sheila, that, you know, the school boards will target a charity that is actually doing good, tangible work because of, oh, that Christianity stuff. But they have no problem. In fact, they trumpet the likes of we for hiring uh, Justin Trudeau's wife, Justin Trudeau's mother, uh, at ridiculous uh, speaking fee. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it makes my mind uh, blow up. Sheila, we're, we're all out of time, unfortunately, but another great commentary. Thank you so much, and you have a great weekend, my friend. You too, David. Thanks very much. Thank you. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, somewhere in the hinterland of northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
Well, folks, it is now 11.01, and uh, as I stood respectfully and gave my minute of silence, I could hear all manner of people walking past me. This is extremely sad for me. I remember the day when, if you were at Young Dundas Square or anywhere else in the city, you couldn't get to a cenotaph, people would actually pull over their cars. They would get out and for one minute observe a moment of silence. And it's funny too, the authorities have been discouraging people from going to cenotaphs. It's about the Wuhan virus after all. Um, they don't want any kind of mass congregations, but I can tell you in the Eaton Center, these stores are open for business. Walmart, Costco, I'm sure there's hundreds of people in those stores. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, when it comes to Remembrance Day, when it comes to honoring our veterans, some of whom paid the ultimate sacrifice, is it too much to ask that you wear a poppy on this day and that at 11 a.m. on the 11th day of the 11th month, you stop what you're doing just for one minute, 60 seconds, and pay tribute? Well, obviously it is too much to ask. That's sad, yet here we are. Uh, looking uh, for those who are wearing poppies and I, I, well the camera doesn't lie folks uh, I see here's a lady that's number two so so far two poppies and I guess it's looking like Don Cherry uh, did make a valid case that we once had a saying lest we forget and now it looks like <laughs> the vast majority of the populace has indeed forgotten well, that had to be the saddest Remembrance Day ever, at least for me, as authorities discourage people from congregating at cenotaphs to honor the war dead and the veterans. There was certainly nothing offside about wearing a poppy on November 11th vis-a-vis -vis Wuhan virus etiquette, but spotting po people sporting poppies at one of Toronto's busiest intersections was akin to playing a game of Where's Waldo? And to think that a great Canadian icon, Don Cherry, was forced to walk the plank of political correctness last year for bringing attention to this sad state of affairs? Well, that is surely insult to injury, given that, yeah, Don Cherry was right. In any event, here's what some of you had to say about this galling lack of respect to those veterans who gave so much. Hab007GE writes, when I was out today in Toronto, did not see one person with a poppy in my area. Absolutely disgusting. I hear you, Hab. Driving back to the office, spotting people wearing poppies was like spotting monarch butterflies in November. It was incredible. I remember when the reverse was true, that someone not wearing a poppy on November 11th was akin to a statistical anomaly. Well, those days, I guess, are gone. Mike W. writes, I too remember those days. People would stop what they were doing everywhere in silence. My dad flew in World War II, and days before he passed, he asked for a minister to come sit with him. He cried and remembered things I never knew, he never spoke of, and didn't know he kept it inside all these years. I knew him. Dad, I will never forget. Well, Mike, thank you. To your, for your dad's service. My grandfather also served in World War II and it was impossible to get him to open up and share war stories. 
I think that speaks to the horrors that these veterans witnessed while serving abroad. They gave so much and they endured so much pain, yet think that honoring them with a poppy one day a year wouldn't be too much to ask, but apparently it is too much to ask. OV1 Kenobi writes, there are young millennials out there who don't even know about 9-11, much less any wars that happened over 50 years before that. I'll take your word for it, OV1. It really makes you wonder what is actually being taught in schools these days, doesn't it? Brad Stevens writes, Don Cherry, you people, was spot on. Well, indeed he was, Brad, and it appears that you people is a whole lot of people from all walks of life and all backgrounds as our camera footage adroitly shows. You know, how unsettling. No time to sport a poppy or stand for a moment of silence, but plenty of time to go shopping at the Eaton Center. How sad. Nicholas Smith writes, It's not all young people. Some of my heritage gave their life so I can live freely, lest we forget. Well, Nicholas, we do live freely today, thanks to our veterans. And I don't think any reasonable person wants the state to enforce a rule that we must wear poppies on November 11th. We certainly don't want to militarize the wearing of poppies. And that's the thing when it comes to our hard-fought freedoms, thanks to the veterans who served, that in 2020, one has the freedom to be disrespectful if he or she chooses not to wear a poppy on Remembrance Day. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.